Hello and welcome back to Absurdity, where we discuss all things absurd in religion, culture, and society. My name is Ryan Becker, and I'm joined by my co-host, Henry Johnson, the one and only Henry Johnson. Now that I say that, I don't know if there are other Henry Johnsons in I the world. I think there's a gazillion of them, because I used to think, well, it's not that common, and then you'd even do searches in the local area, just where I live, and there'd be like 50 of them, and you know, cool or unfortunate for me, like half of them are like 70 year old African-American males. And, you know, so you call on the phone to do something and I'm getting AARP mail and other stuff. And you're just like, whatever. Oh, okay. Well that, in that case, Henry, you are one in a gazillion. (laughs) So that's what I want you to know today. (laughs) You are. You know what? Now that you have completely demoralized me, uh, you know, now that I can start thinking that life isn't worth it and there's just no point, then I just hope I have parents that leave an unloaded and un- well, a loaded and unsecured weapon nearby, get it for me early for Christmas, and then know after I've been reported at the school several times for having mental disturbance, they just hand it to me anyway and hope I have fun. Hey, that reminds me yeah. of something. Um, yep. What does that remind you of, Ryan? Uh, an unfortunate news story right now, uh, which oh, <laughs> that man. was suspiciously specific, Henry. Uh, there, that was. I'm. I'm. A, I'm I, I would ask my parents um, why that was so specific, but they've disappeared from town. Ta- Wait, they found them in a warehouse. Ryan, what are we talking about to, today? Plan to swimming across the Detroit River. Uh, it's to Canada. The, it's the Oxford High School shooting, and we're opening with a little bit of light humor to make this a little bit easier on ourselves because, yet again, we're covering a school shooting, and yet again, it's a tragic and terrible situation. And this one has, like, entirely new levels of of sad. Um, yeah, I mean, what's, what's going to make this unique while we want to talk about it is not that we haven't talked about school shootings before. And by the way, as an aside, before we keep going with that, please note also that our humor was in no way, shape, or form intended to make fun of mental illness or our lack of emotional well-being, uh, which is, I, I think, and you'll see in our discussion, we, we are less um, upset or weirded out. I mean, we're still upset about this kid shooting people. Um, that that's not the case, but I think from what little information we have, the kid obviously looks emotionally disturbed. What, what we're going to get into, the thing that really bugs us about this and why we want to talk about it is how the parents are involved or not involved yep. in this story. So get, get, give us some background, Ryan. Yep. Well, first, I want to do something that um, I believe is important in these situations, and I think it's, it is important for us to highlight them, and that is the the four victims uh, Tate Meyer, who was 16, Hannah St. Juliana, who was 14, Madison Baldwin, 17, and Justin Schilling, 17. And as someone who just came out of work where I was working with high school students, there's something different. Like, it hits differently when you read out the ages, too. It, I don't know. That just makes it a little bit more real that these really are young teenagers. And it can be easy when you just think high school students like the the broader you get with a title or a label, the less the more dehumanizing it is for better or for worse. I mean, yeah, a label is meant to just refer to a group, but um, and to make it quicker to do so. But there's just something that makes it completely more real when you read those ages, 16, 14, 17 and 17. Um, and so on Tuesday, November 30, Ethan Crumbly. Uh, shot four people and wounded six others. And I believe the the last victim 
uh, that was in the ICU is officially out of the ICU, still recovering in the hospital, and I believe they have injuries that um, have less, have about a 2% survival rate or chance of survival. Um, So that's going to be a long road to recovery for them. But on the 16th, or sorry, on the on the, on Tuesday, November thirtieth, um, was was when he, uh, at just before twelve fifty one p.m., Ethan Crumley went into a bathroom with a backpack and came out with a nine millimeter pistol, firing shots at classmates. And what is wild to me was this had so many obvious signs, and I know that there's a lawsuit. I think by one of the shooting victims or a couple of the shooting victims, there's a lawsuit being filed against the district. I'm. I, it's hard for me. I don't know if I can really pin this one on the district. I teachers saw things and reported them. Thoughts won't, uh, they you know, a no. Them, and then they called the, the parents. Go ahead. The parents came in. The counselors ask and see if he has any potential for self harm or har- harming others. Uh, and they conclude that he has, he's not a risk due to his answers, which to me, that's the, part that's iffy to me i don't know what the answers were but like when you have notes that say the thoughts won't stop help me blood everywhere my life is useless the world is dead um you have drawings of handguns and to me and access to handguns it was a building momentum i guess that's the thing i mean i i don't know that's that's going to be up for prosecutors and defense attorneys to to yeah kind of sort through this stuff but yeah i mean the day before, right, you see this escalating discovery of teachers, which also tells me teachers are kind of on the lookout since the first incident. So I guess, I mean, they were adjusting their behavior, it would assume, seem, to observe him. Right, like the Monday, the day before, the teacher saw him searching for ammo on his phone. Yeah. Okay, well, Which, there could be not any a number crime. of reasons for that. Correct, it's not a crime. And that doesn't immediately mean just because someone's searching for ammo that, I mean, you know, it's deer season for those of you in the know. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, he's a little young, but no idea. But they they report that because, well, we need to be aware of it. And uh, and they called the mom of the student about that behavior, right? And now this is already starting to get into the, the parents and why I'm just like, what? Right, so they, they call the mom who didn't respond to school officials. So you get the idea that they left a message or something, but they're like, hey, you know, he was looking up ammunition and and we just wanted you to be aware or that's just a little odd. Again, nothing a crime in that or whatever. But what's amazing to me is that apparently prosecutors have revealed that the mom that doesn't respond to the school officials on the day before calling them about the ammo search sends a text message. So she obviously yep. just ignored the phone call. Or maybe she didn't ignore, maybe she was in something and a few minutes later got the voicemail, whatever. But instead of calling them back, she sends a text message to her son saying, LOL, I'm not mad at you. You have to learn not to get caught. And I'm like, what? Okay. (laughs) Right. Then the next day, after I guess the kid has been encouraged by that text message and who knows what conversations happened when they got home. Then on Tuesday, a different teacher becomes alarmed, and you were referencing this, because the kid is drawn something that shows a handgun pointing at the words, the thoughts won't stop, help me, right? And another section is a drawing of a bullet with the words, blood everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. And between the gun and the bullet is a person who seems to have been shot twice and bleeding. And below that was the drawing of a laughing emoji. And then a note is found 
that says, my life is useless, the world is dead. You were referencing that. Well, obviously, that gets the teachers enough to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. And the school counselor gets involved. I guess the teachers reported that. And the parents are called for a meeting with the counselor and their son. Um, Right? And something in that meeting, I guess they said, get your kid help, which makes sense. This sounds like the Within counselor doing Within 48 hours. Yes, exactly, because the counselor was obviously trained enough to know this is immediate. And then it seems like, although I don't know for sure the way these articles are written, it seems like the school strongly suggested that the kid be taken out of school during that time period to get help. And then what's interesting is the parents refused. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Now get this. This is what's so, so horrible. They have they've discovered all this the next day. They have the meeting. The parents apparently probably had to leave work or whatever. I don't know. I'm just guessing. They come into the school. It's immediate enough. They're like, get here right now. They have the counselor. They say, get him help. 48 hours. We recommend you take him out of school for those 48 and do it. The parents refuse. It's later that same day before school's out that he starts shooting everybody. Yeah. And what kills me is. They refuse a request to take their son home for the day and leave without him apparently to return to work. He returns to the classroom. This is Ethan. Ethan returns to the, the classroom rather than go, go quote, home to an empty house, which the superintendent says is because he had no prior disciplinary action or infractions. Now, here's, here's the thing with this. this you know the trolley thing? Uh, the the, the, Mr. the ethics question? <laughs> yeah, right? No, the, the ethics question with the trolley where like, if you pull the lever, one person, if you don't pull the lever, basically you have a, you're, you're coming across, you're, you're coming up where there's a, there's like five or 10 or however many choose a number, 20 people tied to the tracks. And if you don't, if you don't pull the lever and change tracks, 20 people will die. But if you do change the lever and change tracks, uh, one or five people or however many less right, will it's, die. It's the different amount on the thing. Yeah. This is a real life ethical question because you've already discussed it's weird that they conclude he's not a risk because in my estimation, seeing this, I like myself, I, if I still worked in the school environment, I wouldn't be comfortable with him being at the, school until he met with the school a, did not, not consider him a risk. I mean, this is the thing where, again, and this is where prosecutors and defense attorneys would have to get involved. And I'm not the saying counselors not ne- concluded he is here. not a risk. Is that after that interviewing him? Or, yeah. yeah. And in a different article from, I think it's ABC and I'll, I'll, I'll link it. He, he did, they, the counselors conclude that he's not a risk after talking with him. And, well, and because that's, he, again, where a prosecutor and a defense attorney is going to have to look into that. I, I mean, yeah, the, you almost wonder, did they personally conclude, which again, I know this starts getting into the hypothetical what ifs, or is this another case where we're reaching a society and a generation um, where, this is extreme blind prejudice towards the letter of the law. Yeah. If you know what I'm talking about. In other words, we've gotten mm-hmm. to a point now where people don't want to take the emotional fall. And I don't know, again, this is all, you know, supposition and, and, and whatnot. I mean, you imagine the pressure schools have been under with COVID and masks and, and all of this other stuff. It, does it get to the point where you just kind of, you you push your you go i think this is a problem you need to take him out for 48 hours and whatever and when the parents are like double h to the hockey stick no right and he's staying right if the letter of the law in your school district or or whatever is well parental acceptance is needed for x or 
For, yeah. I don't know. There, there could have been some way they could have escalated that, that after school that day, they go into the principal or the vice principal or whatever and go, is there something we can activate? And then they call and say, don't bring them the next day. You know, I, that stuff, I'm sure a court case is going to bring out. I have no yeah, clue. But what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is this isn't, if they had concluded he's a risk, they have a, they have a weird trolley problem because he would, he would have gone home to an empty house because his parents weren't weren't there so the trolley problem is do i send someone home who's a risk who's at risk of hurting himself or do i keep him here let him stay and now he hurts everybody else yeah and and i know that for for many people the answer to that question is obvious but when you're in the hot seat that's that's a different situation and i'm not saying after the fact right yeah this is after the fact so no matter what we're armchairing it and and like i'm what i'm trying to do is empathize to some degree with what the with what staff may have been thinking or or what they would have been doing. What, 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 what I don't get is why no one searched his backpack or his locker at the same time. That's what I yeah, don't that, understand because you have the right to do that in a school environment. Uh, it, like you do, I guess this brings up more stuff again, that a court case is going to bring up. I, yep. I mean, I know a lot of schools here in the South, but I, I, I don't know how much different it is up North where maybe gun ownership is not as prevalent or at least not as discussed. I mean, I don't know if they had metal detectors. Most schools down here, you're walking through metal detectors before you come in. So I don't know if he found a way around that with his backpack or they assumed he'd already been through that process or they're young enough. They don't expect them to be. I have no clue. There's a lot of what ifs. I I guess I guess the thing of more interest to me and, and maybe this is me trying to keep driving the conversation where we wanted to go. This conversation isn't so much about the what ifs about the school counselor or the teachers or the school policy, although I'm sure we can have discussions about that later as more stuff comes to light. I think the thing that both you and I agreed, which is why we're like, we got to talk about this. This is just ridiculous, is again, the parents. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I was just I was just <laughs> trying to I, I want to focus on the yeah. parents. Don't get me wrong. I wanted to I wanted to kind of get that part out of the way and that component out of the way. Yeah. That was all. But yes, the parents, I mean, just the day of the shooting and like when they left, this is what, yeah. this is what kills me. And I don't want to take away a point you're going to no make. No pun so, intended. Okay. <laughs> I, I know I've said that like two or three times and I don't mean to. This is, these are just phrases. This is, this is, this is what gets me. About 1251, that's when he emerges with, in, from the bathroom with, with a gun and he starts shooting. When news of the active shooter situation becomes public, his mom texts him at 1.22 p.m. saying, Ethan, don't do it. How? You, like, in what world do you see a shooter situation going on and immediately... And go, that's my son. And yet you thought it was safe to keep him there, right? And then 15 minutes later at 1.37 p.m., his dad calls 911 to report that a gun was missing from his house and he believes his son may be the shooter. To How me, convenient. And they bought the I know. gun for him. What kill what what gets me, I'm gonna catch myself, is that th- this sounds to me like classic cover-up. Like they talked, they realized it was most likely their son, with their son not responding. That made them think so even probably even more. And they think, what can we do to cover ourselves? Like this is throw our son under the bus territory with the way that his dad calls and believes his son may be the shooter. They're trying to look like, like good concerned parents and citizens saying, you know, we're so worried about our, our son. We think he may be the shooter. And, and, and you know, the, the gun is missing. The gun is now missing. All of a sudden they can, they care. 
Yeah, and, and it, it sounds like they talked between one twenty two and one thirty seven, and like, and I know that this is a lot of conjecture on my part, but like, right. this just seems like a really weak attempt to to cover up the to cover up the fact that they had every reason to believe that he was an actual threat, or that they even potentially helped him in this outside, well, like directly again, helped in right. some way, well, shape, or and, form. And that's where some of the evidence would seem to, I mean, maybe not so much the school shooting itself as, well, as far as they facilitated stuff, though, that led to it. I mean, that's kind of the old joke. All these people are so worried about the government tracking them or something because of a vaccine or whatnot, but they post everything on Facebook and Instagram that they're mm-hmm. doing for their day every five minutes. Yep. And And it's interesting, Instagram factors into the evidence that's been released so far, because apparently uh, November 26th, Right, the dad went out and bought a gun for his son. Now, again, by f- most federal and state law, as in basically all of it that I'm aware of, the kid is under 21 years old, which means he cannot legally purchase a handgun. Uh, now, he can operate one. Uh, that's not necessarily illegal in the presence of family or whatever. And so, again, this is conjecture. But it's interesting that the parents go out and apparently the dad buys a gun explaining to his son it's really his when, you know, he can't legally own one. Not you can use it or not. I mean, I don't know. There's again conjecture. He might have said, when you're 21, this is yours, but you can use it now. I don't know. Anyway, the point is he buys it and the son posts a picture of his gun on the Instagram account and captions it saying, quote, just got my new beauty today, Sig Sauer 9mm, which pause as a gun owner really a sig that's what you bought him okay anyway sorry um <laughs> with with a hard eyes a little humor and a dark topic with a hard yeah, eyes emoji right and then the mom posts on her social media which they just say social media i'm gonna assume it's facebook again conjecture because these are the parents and parents are on facebook more than instagram i was gonna say parents michigan it's facebook uh yeah it's it's it probably is it, right where i can so anyway but i love how they're just like on social media you were specific with the kid but not okay whatever they're they're being cool she posts on social media uh, you know about the gun saying it's her son's new christmas present right and then the mom takes him to a shooting range that weekend the weekend before the shooting at the school okay Mm. which again there's nothing illegal about going to a shooting range and i would rather you learn in a shooting range instead of in a school where apparently he tried to use his training training right but everything about this is the parents being like we got him a gun and yay look at his gift and yay and i'm going to take him and help him learn how to use this gift yay and again nothing illegal and i'm not downplaying i i appreciate parents that want to if you're going to buy a gun for your kids we talked about this in gun episodes uh get training for it so again none of that by itself is bad i'm not saying that at all but I'm also saying the way the, again, conjecture, the, the parents are like, ha, 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 just don't get caught or, or this, that, and the other. Either they are completely moronically, willfully ignorant, and they just think, well, this is just a kid likes his new toy, and so he's at school searching about it. Maybe with the ammo thing, maybe. Maybe I'll give her a mm-hmm. pass like, ha, 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 you should have known better. Don't search for ammo at school, but we're glad you like your present. But when he's drawing stuff, about shooting either himself or, you know, I don't know if the little stick figure or whatever looked like anybody. And and then, like, it won't stop and blood everywhere and my wife is worthless. Okay. I wouldn't think it would take a rocket scientist or a brain surgeon to realize the kid is not in a good place. 
And if these people mm-hmm. were any sort of responsible gun owner, you would go, I know a gun is a tool, like a hammer or anything else, but probably if you're on a job site and you're handing out your hammers and a few guys are like, all right, let's go hit some nails. And the other one's like, I hate my life. And, oh, look at the backside of that hammer. It's very pointy. I bet you could hit a skull with that. Are you, are you really going to hand the hammer to said worker that said that? Yeah. Uh, you know, again, it's not the hammer's fault, but you're asking for, you're facilitating problems, right? And then you get called into the school counselors and they explain all this and you're still like, no. And leave him there. And then, again, conjecture, it happened short enough. I don't know how long between their meeting with the counselor and the shooting beginning. Uh, I do not know. Mm. Now, there's, again, supposition that makes me think not a ton of time. And the reason why I say that, again, conjecture not knowing their school district, but what little I know about public school systems. The shooting is happening at the tail end of the noon hour, right? He comes out of the bathroom. It strikes me as he's probably on the lunch hour. Which the reason why this strikes me is that, right, schools rotate it through. So he's probably finishing up before class. Most kids are around and about and, it, it, you know, less supervision. But the other reason it makes me think the timing is interesting is if you have to call parents in for a meeting and they work, most likely, you know, they discover it maybe in homeroom. I don't know what teacher discovered this. Let's say early to mid-morning. You give them 30 minutes, an hour, 45 minutes, whatever, to, to get in. I'm going to assume the meeting is taking place closer to the noon hour. They get in about 10, 30, 11, 11, 30. I don't know. Again, just guessing. Yeah. They have this 30, 40-minute meeting, however long with a counselor. It could have been shorter. I don't know. And they're like, no. And then they leave. And then the kids turn back loose maybe to lunch or whatever. And then he moves forward and he comes out at the tail end. To lunch. And again, for the dad, then supposition again, wait for a court case. To, to know the actual facts, for him to be about one o'clock texting, that thing is gone. It's not the house. Did he drive home after that meeting and then go yeah. look for the gun? I don't know. Um, Which seems weird. Why don't you check the backpack? But they were, I may, I, maybe it seems weird to me. Locker. He's in the meeting. I don't know. And the other thing that's shady in here is that the school district didn't release any timeline for any of those meetings, but they, but Correct. we know what time he started shooting. Well, and that's why I'm saying my guessing is here is there's not a lot of time elapsing between the meeting, the parents Correct. leaving, and the kids shooting. That's and I just, bet the meetings are shorter than everyone. I, I think that they hid them because of uh, my... I, the, the court cases are going to be very revealing when they get going. But now, let, let's speed this up because we're starting to come up on Yeah, the you're clock. good. No worries. Here's what gets even crazier. After, like you said, this apparent cover-up, like, our gun is stolen, and, oh, kid, don't do it, and... And, and and whatever, right? Well, then they find out it is their kid, right? And he's obviously taken into custody, and all of that stuff goes down. Well, what do you think the parents do? Okay, well, the you know, as the research starts going in, as prosecutors start looking into everything, they finally start to believe there's gross negligence on the part of the parents, <laughs> as some of us are suspecting through some of this. And they start turning their attention towards the parents, And then they learn enough about the parents. They go, well, we want you to report. We're going to charge you with something, which I know is is very unusual in these kinds of incidents. Mm -hmm. It's extremely rare for a parent to be held responsible for an individual kid's gun crime. Um, And that's for a multitude of reasons. That would be a whole podcast in themselves. But at some point, prosecutors got to a point. They're like, the parents are so fishy in this whole thing. 
And they started looking at situations. They're like, no, I think the parents need to be, there's some facilitation going on here most likely or whatever are just completely so stupid that a point needs to be made about this. So they, they say, parents, you need to report because we're going to charge you with stuff, right? Um, in some way. So how do the parents respond to that? <laughs> okay. They drive about 10 to 15 minutes from Oxford to a place, Rochester Hills. So on the way out of town, they withdraw $4,000 from the ATM. Okay, I'm impressed they have that much money sitting in their bank account. They must work for something that isn't me. But anyway, um, they would draw $4,000 cash from Oxford. Then law enforcement had already been tracking the couple's whereabouts by cell phone pings. Well, then the parents turn their phones off and like remove the batteries, which is also an interesting thing. Like you've watched too many spy movies. But B, why do you do that if you're just going on a anyway? Mm-hmm. So they completely try and deactivate their cell phones from being tracked. They've taken four grand in cash with them. And then they continue to flee all the way upwards to Detroit area, right? Which I don't know a map of Michigan to know just exactly how far this is going. Uh, but then they in go into, okay, he's going to look that up. And then, right, they go hide in a warehouse in an industrial building. Okay, and then we later find out they were apparently planning to try and swim across. The reason they were going to Detroit is there's a very narrow gap there between there and Canada. Um, they were going to swim across the water in winter in The Michigan. narrow gap is not that narrow also. It, it, it is not. They probably would have died of hypothermia and drowned. But whatever. they're going to swim across into Canada. Okay, a couple of things just jump out at me about this. First of all, what kind of parents hate their kid that bad now they just abandon I was going to say that that's the that's the thing is like that's real concern parent to our son was arrested let's run uh by the he's, way 45 gonna, minutes away or give or take Okay 40 so that, not that far I guess okay woo but we're going to liquidate our assets or at least take cash really quick turn off our cell phones we're going to flee to another freaking country and forget the kid I guess they have a court appointed attorney <laughs> Right, you know, that 4000 ain't going to pay that. And we out, but yet you had nothing to do with this. I <laughs> And you <laughs> don't like, th- have any reason like, to believe what? that police would be after you, so you took out all of your cash and ran. Like, that's... Well, well, correct, which I think they were already informed that there was going to be charges coming towards them. And if they're supposedly yep. so innocent and, like, their arraignment hearing where they were like, no, the gun was actually locked and, and whatever, okay. Either if the gun was technically locked and they're going to try and prove that they left the key sitting right next to it. I don't know if it was a trigger lock. I don't know. Whatever. Mm-hmm. The point is everything about this screams. And I can understand to a certain point, if I'm trying to be sympathetic to them, that there's that initial fear of crap. Something's about to hit me. I'm in trouble. That overwhelm. What does this mean? What do I do? You're not prepared for these situations, obviously. But I mean, when I'm overwhelmed and whatever and think I need some distance or whatever, fleeing to another country is not usually the first thought in my head. And I guess I don't live as close to Canada as Michigan. But, you know, <laughs> I'm not like, quick, liquidate all the cash in my bank account, turn yeah. my, deactivate my phones and flee. Because that, I care about little... my kid. Yeah. Well, and the kicker to all of this is that now that they all have attorneys – Crumbly's parents are being represented by West Bloomfield attorneys Shannon Smith and uh, Mario Lehman. Uh, Smith previously represented convicted child molester and former USA Gymnastics and Michigan State University Dr. Larry Nasser. 
Uh, also defended uh, Jumana Nagarwala, the nation's first female genital mutilation trial, and at former MSU football player Josh King in a criminal sexual conduct case. So they have hired a super, like super high profile lawyers for the parents. Ethan got Who's a public a defender. <laughs> Ethan got a public defender. I'm sorry. That's they not hired funny, high profile it, attorneys it for them. It's them, just absurd. Welcome to absurdity. That that's the whole point of the show. The because we care it, about our dear son who we bought the gun for. <laughs> and don't the, the parents are on charges of involuntary manslaughter. The the Ethan is on is being tried as an adult on twenty four different counts, including terrorism, murder, manslaughter. You I mean you, felonies upon felonies, and. There, there is an uh, there is an article in the Detroit Free Press that talks about the probably the reason is because they can't afford it, um, and but they because murder trials that kind are of far expensive trial. Yeah, um, given that given also that the dad is behind on child support payments dating back to two thousand five for a different kid, so you know already oh. model model parenting. Um, now, granted, Paulette Lofton, Paulette Lofton is the defense attorney for Ethan, and she does seem really competent. It, she's had very high, she's very yeah, highly not, spoken not, nothing of. Nothing against her just because she's not like a nope. named and lawyer I in the press. But want to reiterate something that we talked about in the Duggar case, which and she actually talks about this. Uh, she made a statement about this, which is why defense attorneys are so important. She said, I have to understand, I, I have to make sure my client understands every single piece of evidence that's going to be potentially against him. That's my job as a defense attorney. I, it's, it's not as though I'm defending his actions. I'm defending him to make sure his rights are preserved. Now, I know there's a lot of people that see that statement and think, well, what about the rights of those that he, that he hurt? Mm-hmm. And it is worth reminding everyone that court cases set precedent. And if we give in to the, to the temptation to overly punish someone, According to the just, you know, within the justice system, that just continually opens the door for more and more of that happening. And we think, well, if this was a um, person of color, if then it wouldn't be happening. If this was a, you know, so it shouldn't happen to him. And I would argue it's the other way around. We need to do better so that the defense works in the favor of those who need it, regardless of that- their color. Right. Like, yeah, like, I mean, I, I, in other words, this. and none of us and none of us yep. want to be judged on immediate public opinion. I no, mean, we grief. If we the were second, if we were regardless that, of how some of the some of the comments yeah. we even get on our YouTube channel, I mean, if I was judged by that, it, it wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, you know. correct. Um, the it's funny. I found out from the YouTube comments, Henry, that you aren't a pastor, even though you are. But I guess that that ordination and ministerial license doesn't mean anything. Um, it's just that Where one of our comments on one of our videos, uh, one of our YouTube comments said, uh, oh, you call yourselves pastors. Um, oh. yeah, that was, that was, that was fun. Um, it, it, take that, it's an, in- take that up with all the states that recognize my ordination as I marry people. But anyway, yeah. Um, uh, so the, it, this whole thing is insane to me. It looks like there was every warning sign, but you've got parents who just seem to not care. Uh, yeah, whatever hate ignorant, and, grossly incompetent or combat oriented, encouraging of such sick behavior. I mean, court will tell us, but yep. And it seems weird to me that 
I will say the no risk thing, even his parents, I, I have a feeling that his parents walked in there intending to say that and, and side with him that there was no risk or that he wasn't a risk. I, I have a feeling they were doing everything they could to basically get him well, off scot-free too. And again, and, I'm just guessing it might have had nothing to do with him. It could all be about, they went in there to defend him just to defend themselves. Correct. They might have had their Correct. own suspicions, which again is why I would love to see the actual timeline between meeting, shooting, text the meeting of I think the, the meeting started is, at ten AM is when they came in to, when they came onto campus. I don't know when know it that. ended, but it, oh. one of the one of the articles I found actually oh, uh, mentioned ten, ten AM Bouchard campus. said Ethan Crumley's parents met with Oxford High School officials to discuss concerning behavior by the fifteen year old on both Monday and Tuesday mornings. This is from well, you see, uh, even if that meeting, if it took them 15 to 20 minutes to get in there and get the meeting started and it lasted an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Yeah. The timeline still, I was pretty close. I was going to expect yeah. mid morning by the time they would see anything meetings happening near lunch. They turn him loose yep. in the lunch hour into lunch hour. He starts shooting. Uh, yep. So what do we take away from this? Cause I, I want to wrap up with something <laughs> tangible that we can walk away with here. These parents this is... are crazy. Okay. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, I will say that the important thing is the warning signs um, and be looking for that because there was another school shooting recently that was stopped because, because a concerned parent, a, a, a student came home and told their parents about a concerning situation and the concerned parent is the one who reported it. Um, it was a, it was of a different child, but the, they actually stopped a school shooting and there was a 16 year old and I think and a 15 year old who were both uh, arrested for it um, with the 15 year old, I think having guns in his house that, that his parent, he confessed to his parents having no knowledge of. And that was because someone spoke up and I, I get that snitch culture is a thing. I get like, my thing is if it has to do with protecting people, it's not, and it's actually something that was done wrong. Then to me, that's, that's not snitching. So I, I don't, I, I really dislike the culture against being, you know, reporting things. And I'm glad that we, we have some parents that do. Um, this is the one case where I'm thankful for some helicopter parents too. But at the same time, I think that we need to do better at, at, at reporting things when we see them. And there are, I know that there are countless times. Well, and, so, and some would argue that the teachers did report things when they saw them. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they did. They did well in this case. I'm just saying in another case, a school shooting was prevented because someone reported it. That wasn't even, that wasn't a teacher or the, or the student's own parents. It was a separate student's parents. And that, that mean like the importance of reporting something can, when we see something that's weird is, yeah, is I mean, the, really important. <laughs> This issue also almost brings up a similar issue. I'm sure our public school teachers complain, any teacher complains about all the time, which is there's only so much teachers or school can do without parental involvement. Um, yep. Right. I mean, it sounds like the school was going through motions and now we can argue there's lessons to be learned from that or maybe less just by the book thinking or there needs to be more room for the individual school district to supersede the parents in certain things. I. I don't know that that will be lessons. I'm sure that will come out of this in internal reviews or you hope would uh, or, or yeah. whatnot. But I mean, why we were saying this is so absurd is that the seemingly even in the steps afterwards is seemingly disregard for the child himself. And it's just an obsession with only the parents. Right. And, and yeah, their outcome for them. I mean, it speaks to poor parenting. I mean, mm. no way, shape or form about it. It, it also speaks about, uh, I mean, a growing trend we're seeing where there's people that, 
kids come in and we're like, oops, but you're, the kid is an unfortunate byproduct of whatever you wanted in your life. Uh, and that's probably something really sad that I'm sure we might, you know, good therapists and all that will get into. We don't, I mean, have we ever bothered to think why the kid was that suicidal or dark to begin with? Yeah. And I'm, again, this and that's is a total supposition. I didn't even know about the child support payments and another kid. That almost makes you wonder. And I know this is horrible because, again, court's going to tell it and we don't know. But if this guy, again, not knowing the circumstances or why, and I'm not saying every situation is like that, if he just abandoned his last kid and doesn't want to support it, what kind, I don't know if this is his kid or he was kind of, quote, adopted by the guy got with yeah. the mom. I, I don't know any of that stuff, but was he, is he missing a father figure in his life or is his dad not really, if this is his actual, whatever, involved in his life? Was there something about negligence or neglect on behalf of the parents that caused the kid to think he's worthless to begin with? I these things are going to have to come out with people that are involved and whole, know a whole lot more. But it, it, it it's just sad to me because this isn't isolated. To, you see these things to lesser degrees that are just as damaging and harmful, even though they don't result in shootings. Yeah. Right? There are kids, there are people walking all around us that their parents are just, they don't care about them as a parent should. And it's just sad. Well, and, right? and okay. That, so that it just hurts. So in the other case, it's uh, if you want to look it up, anyone, it's uh, Logan Pringle and Preston Hinnabaugh. Uh Pringle was barred from campus by court order, and yet Ethan, uh, Ethan or Preston Hinnabaugh had let him had let him in that day. And a student texted her, another student texted her mom, saying that it was weird, but he assumed he had been readmitted to the school district. The parent sent a, a concerned email to the school principal, who called immediately to say he would investigate. That's how that, and then they called the police. So that's mm. that's reporting working is what I'm. I'm not trying to like open up a whole other. I'm just saying that's when reporting works. To me, when it comes to the, to Ethan's mental health, there's something I I really hope people remember potentially remember about their own teenage years. But I can say this as someone who was who really struggled a lot with my own mental health and problems uh, in in high school. Man, when you have no idea how to handle the emotions that you have, the cries for help are blatant and obvious when, you know, you have the thought, the thoughts won't stop. Help me. Right. You, th yeah. The cries for this, a extreme. lot of it's done on. Yeah. And the cries on Twitter, Facebook for help, like called vague booking back uh, when I was in high school of this idea of like texting about a situation without giving away the details or without want or, you know, refraining from doing so and. There's this weird thing where teenagers and kids will cry out for help in their own safe version of, of self-expression, whether that's a notebook, a journal, a diary, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, a private account, whatever it is. And then once they're caught, even though they know they want the help and need the help, they still feel like they're going to get in trouble. The, the defense mechanism kicks in and they will lie through their teeth to not actually be found out. Whether it's they feel ashamed for what they wrote or they look at it from a different in a different light in that moment, whatever it is, even though they know they need to the help, so many kids will will lie through their teeth in this weird act of self-preservation because they are so scared of what'll happen now that they're quote unquote caught. And it, it doesn't it feels like it doesn't make sense. It feels un irrational and unreasonable. Welcome to to emotions <laughs> uh, where you don't yeah. and welcome to, and, and to puberty where you're learning did. how to process. No, it doesn't at, right. at all. I'm but, just saying it makes this again goes sense. back on the parents when you're like, well, yep. just don't get caught. Well, what if he wanted to get caught? Kinda yeah. Like what you're saying there. I, I mean, 
because again, how does the teacher find him searching ammunition? Because that also makes me think, how are you holding the phone or what are you doing? I, I was in school. You don't know when the teacher's walking down the row. I mean, I don't know. Again, there's a lot of unknowns. I think the thing that from what is known, though, the scary thing to me is, I mean, as bad as the loss of life and as wrong as the, that's, that is not a way to respond to your personal pain is to inflict it on others. Um, you know, I mean, if he wanted his life gone, that's, that's bad in itself, but he's now taken the lives of four individuals that never asked for that. Um, right. I mean, it's a whole bunch there, but the parents are just the absurd thing that I'm just like, really? I mean, so much from the apparent lack of concern for their son to the excusing of themselves and not their son, to their throwing their son under the bus at the first opportunity, to refusing to get him assistance, to ignoring the pleas of other individuals, including school teachers and counselors that are saying, your son has an issue. And and their response is just basically, blah! I mean, you know, that's that's the part where you're just like, and now this kid's going to have to own up to his actions. His life will be ruined the rest of his life, right? He will be in prison the rest of his life. I'm pretty certain yeah uh, but, I, but you know and then these other families are ruined all because these two parents don't give one rat's rear about anybody but themselves that's that's sad yep and once again this isn't excusing anything on ethan's part this isn't taking away from the the ridiculous tragedy that is any school shooting this is a unique angle on this this specific situation in this case that isn't always present in the other ones, which is why we wanted to talk about it to the extent that we did. We're not taking away from any of the commentary or any, you know, any of the severity of the actions and the live, the loss of lives and the, the trauma that everyone in that school will take with them. I remember seeing videos uh, students had taken on their phones of, of there was a, there was a clip where students were trying to figure out if the person knocking at the door was police or if it was the shooter. And Mm -hmm. Imagine being in that situation and imagine being the person who potentially opens the door uh, making that decision, right? And, and there, it is – the downside to school shootings is when you teach all of the kids how to avoid a school shooting or what to do in those situations, the kids that actually follow through on, on you know, actually commit a school shooting now know everything about the safety procedures automatically because they've been trained their whole life. And it, it is incredibly, incredibly scary and traumatic across the board. And, and, you know, we, we are praying for the victims, their families, that community as well in that school. Um, and we're praying for the parents, uh, of Ethan, uh, Jennifer and James Crumley. We're, we're praying for Ethan as well and, um, praying that justice is done and that there's remorse and, um, and a path to correction for them too. But there's also consequences for their actions and for what 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 transpired. So praying for someone does not mean we want to absolve them of any consequences or responsibility or accountability for their actions. But rather, um, it's a matter of this in the same way of defending their rights, def- a defense attorney defending rights. You're praying for them because as a Christian, there's more to life than just this this period on Earth. And we're interested in eternity, too. And there are, there's a whole life left to live for Ethan, and there's a whole lot of life left for for Jennifer and and James, and I, I hope there's some real changes that happen in them, even as they go through and face those consequences. Um, 
Yeah, we but, hope the consequences come, and we hope the consequences are rehabilitative and not just further destructive. Yep. Right. If you're just uh, locking him behind the wall, and if Ethan spends the rest of his life still thinking his life is worthless, then it's it's still a disservice to him and and to the lives that he took. Right. I, I would hope that yeah, he does spend the rest of his life behind bars, but he finds how to value himself and to bring value to others even behind bars. And I hope that yep. parents suffer some consequences and learn to pull their heads out of their own rear end. But that's anyway. <laughs> yep. I'm I'm with you. So well, with that, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever your favorite podcatching app is. Leave a comment if you're watching on YouTube. Let us know uh, your thoughts, and, and we'll, we'll engage with you in the comments as well. But as always, we'll see you next week.